May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. There's this uh, Native American legend about this miracle worker called Glooskop, and he was reported to be able to, to grant wishes to people who were in desperate need and of sincere hope. And um, the case was that there was this young warrior of the Micmac tribe of Nova Scotia who had this great terror. He was afraid of dying. Every time he would see a dead body, he would see his own face on the corpse of that body, and that would only intensify his fear of dying. And so he goes to the oldest, wisest man in his village, and and he says to him, you know, um, can you help me with this fear of death? And, And the old man says, you know, all people die. In fact, as old as I am, my life has seemed like the life of a butterfly. It, it ends as quickly as you could imagine. And this didn't help the young warrior because now he's even more fearful of death. My life is not only is going to be ending, but it's going to end soon. And so he makes the long trek to see this, uh, this famous Glooskop, the, uh, the miracle worker. And when he arrives at, at Gluskop's uh, area, he, he finds the, the man seated outside of his tent uh, um, with a pot of stew, his grandmother and his young brother there. They invite uh, the, the young Micmac warrior to sit down and join them, and he has dinner with them. And after supper, he begins to tell Gluskop of his, his fear, his fear of death. And he says, is it true that you grant a wish to someone who's very sincere? And Gluskop says, it's true, I do. And the man says, well, then I would like to wish for one thing. I would like to wish for immortality. I would never die. Gluskop says, I can't do that. I'm afraid all men are mortal. The one wish I cannot grant is that. The warrior thinks for a moment, and then he says to him, well, could you grant me that I will live a longer life than any other human has before or ever will since? And Gluskop says, I think, I can manage that. And in the morning after breakfast, they got into a canoe and they paddled down the river. And they came to the small island where there were uh, no people living nearby. There were no animals that lived on the island. And they got out of the canoe and Glooskop wraps his arms immediately around the young warrior and lifts him up in the air and then plants him back down very firmly. And he says to him, there, your wish has been granted. And the warrior realizes that his human body has been transformed into a massive cedar tree. He has full consciousness, but no longer can he move any of his literal limbs. Um, he's stuck there. He's, he, he is now a cedar tree. And Glooskop says, there are no people living nearby, so you shall not be cut down for firewood. And you are granite strong, so you'll be able to weather the fiercest storms. And you will live longer than any human ever has or ever shall. Be careful what you wish for sometimes, I suppose, is the moral of the story. Fear is a paralyzing emotion, isn't it? It can cause irrational actions or just downright paralysis. And it's one of the strongest emotions that we have. People who act in the face of great fear are called uh, courageous In fact, you can't even have courage unless you have fear. I mean, if people act when there's no fear, they're just stupid, right? I mean, it takes fear to be courageous. And so the greatest fears, the fear of dying, often brings some of the greatest acts of courage. Some people have learned to sort of enjoy fear. 
at least at some level. You know, they, they jump out of perfectly good airplanes, you know. Um, I don't know why anyone would do that. I feel like for me, the plane would literally have to be on its way down. And, um, and even then, I might wait until I could almost jump out and touch the ground, you know. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm ever going to jump out of that. Uh, some people, like, climb the sides of mountains, tall buildings, drive super fast, you know. Run into burning buildings like firefighters. This is courage. This is a facing fear. Uh, not long ago, Abby and I went to see this film called um, Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know if you have heard of this. Um, uh, it's about this uh, young uh, Army private, Desmond Doss, who was a conscientious objector. He, he didn't want to fight, but he wanted to serve his country in war. And so he, he goes to a recruiter, and the recruiter tells him that he wouldn't have to pick up a weapon, and he believed him. Um, and, and so he signs up for the Army, and he goes to the uh, Rule number one, never believe an Army recruiter, okay? And so he goes to uh, basic training, and... Um, and he gets there, and sure enough, they want him to learn to fire a weapon, and he refuses. And throughout this course, he, he, he's, he's nearly court-martialed for this. Um, he makes it, though, through basic training, and he's sent to Pacific Theater. He's, he's, he's told you that they have to take this, um, this high ridge, Hacksaw Ridge. True story, this film. It has to take this high ridge in order to, to take the, the, the island, and the island is necessary to take the theater and to end the war. And so there are, uh, there are companies of, of soldiers that every day climb up this ridge and they go and they, the Japanese are entrenched and they, they fight very, you know, very hard against these oncoming aggressors and, and every day half of the soldiers that go up die and the other half retreat. Well, Desmond Doss is a medic with his company and he's sent up there. Nothing to defend himself, only has a medic's bag. He climbs up. The fighting is very fierce, as it has been in every other case. And half of his uh, his uh, uh, company are killed. The other half begin to retreat. And as Dawes is ready to go down the side of the cliff, he hears a voice of a young soldier calling out for help. And he turns around, and he goes and he saves him. And he gets a rope, and he lowers the guy down because he can't even climb. He lowers him down, whatever it is, you know, hundreds of feet down to the ground. And as he's getting ready to go down, he hears the voice of another soldier calling out for help. And he goes back. And without anyone to defend him, without a weapon, without even the willingness to fight for himself, he just goes back and just starts bringing people back. And he saved 75 soldiers over the course of a night. And he's, uh, I think, the only, maybe at least the first conscious objector to have received a Congressional Medal of Honor nation's highest award for courage and bravery. Sometimes people are paralyzed by fear. Other times people act in spite of it. And in the gospel story today, we have just a little glimpse. It's a small scene in terms of time. It's Jesus hanging upon the cross. You know the story. He's been arrested. He's been tried condemned, beaten within an inch of his life, and now hung upon a cross. He's hung between two criminals, you know, one on the left, the other on the right. Most of us have heard, um, have heard the, uh, the term thieves. Some of the translations say he's hung between two thieves. Um, we kind of envision Jesus hung between two guys who are um, kind of consumed with petty larceny. You know, this is not the case. Um, this is almost certainly not the case that, that crucifixion was reserved for those who were, um, were 
uh, rebellious, people who are acting in seditious ways against the government, trying to undercut it. The people who are hanging on Jesus' right and left almost certainly are those who have tried to set a trap to kill Roman soldiers or had been engaged in fighting against them. Crucifixion was the most cruel, torturous form of death known to the Romans. What happens when a person was to hang on a cross is that they would literally suffocate under the weight of their own body. You would try to lift up so you could breathe because the way that you were hanging, the gravity pulled down, you had to lift up to breathe. And so imagine, imagine being in that position and having to lift up, pressing against spikes in your feet. Um, It was reserved, as I said, just for the most cruel People who rather people who deserve who deserve the most cruel type of death. It wasn't for shoplifters. And Luke sees the crowd too. You get just in this little snippet, you get a, a, a vision of the crowd. You've got people out there, just commoners. Um, you've got leadership, you know, sort of the heads of, of of the people. You've got Roman soldiers who are down there throwing some dice, playing for Jesus' clothes. And of course, you have the two criminals, the two. Uh, um, Lestes, the brigands, the, those who were, who were fighting against the Romans. And perhaps that you notice that these three groups of people all actually say the same thing, don't they? Namely, if you are who you say you are, save yourself. Uh, would you pull out your bulletin? Look at these texts with me, will you? only I could read them. And verse 33, look at this. Um, excuse me, not verse 33, verse 35. Uh, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him. They, this, this word literally means to turn up one's nose. That's still the sort of idiom that we use today, don't we? We say, oh, you know, look at them with their upturned noses, you know. Or um, isn't there, there's a line in, uh, in, in Romeo and Juliet, way at the beginning, do you, t- do you thumb your nose at me, sir? I do thumb my nose at you. Know, this is an upturned nose. The leaders turn their noses up at Jesus and say, he saved others. Let him save himself. Next verse, verse 36. The soldiers, okay, so we have another group of people, also, notice this, mocked him. Um, this is the, this word means to make sport of, like children do. You know, the sort of way that children um, say uh, really mean things to one another on the playground? This is the, this is the sort of uh, language here that, that they made fun of Jesus. They mocked him. They hold up vinegar, which some people have assumed um, meant that they offered him some sort of, uh, you know, like painkiller. Vinegar is very low in alcohol. Stick some whiskey up there if you want to help him with some pain, right? In this case, they're giving him something that's, that's terrible. It, it would, it's, it's, a, it's a mockery. They mock him and hold up vinegar and, and make sport of his, his pain. And what do they say? Um, if he is, uh, excuse me, um, if you are the king, save yourself. And then verse 39 one of the criminals who was hung railed at him. Uh, I think your translation says blasphemed, which is a better word. Blasphemed to him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Thrice mocked Jesus is. Same accusation. If you are who you say you are, save yourself. And there's sort of an embedded question in that. 
If you could save yourself, why wouldn't you? If you could save yourself, why wouldn't you? Look, hanging on the cross is not a day at Club Med, right? If you could get out of this, you would get out of this. There is no more excruciatingly painful way to have died. If the Romans knew of a more excruciating way, they would have used it. Jesus is stripped, completely naked, beaten until an inch of his life, skin raw upon his body, nailed feet and hands to a Roman cross, and then left to die while people stood around and scoffed, mocked, and blasphemed him. And you know what his response was, don't you? He looked down at him and said, You're all a bunch of scoundrels. I hope you all rot in hell. <laughs> Is that not what it says in yours? Yeah, I don't think it says that one in mine. Let me, let me check and see what this text is. Um, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He says to the thief who's hanging behind him, the other one, or the other thief, the other criminal who's beside him, he says to him, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? A believer! We found a believer! In the most un- Well, first we need to get down and baptize you. That's what Jesus says, right? If only we could do that. No! Today, this day, you will be with me in paradise. Today is Christ the King Sunday. This is the last Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, and it's Happy New Year, you know? Um, It's New Year without the New Year's Eve, Uh, so you all expect to be in church. Um, (laughs) The real New Year's Eve might be more pragmatic, Uh, all right? So uh, the last Sunday of the church year, Christ the King. Um, It's the end of us telling it. This is what the church year is. The church year is telling the story of Jesus is telling the story of the Bible, the whole story of the Bible. And so it begins in Advent looking for the need of a Savior. And then with Christmas, the birth, of course, Lent, the road to the cross, Easter, suffering, death, resurrection. And then the whole story of the kingdom. Now, how then do we live? And we get to this day, Christ the King. And the question is, is what's our story? What sort of king do we serve? A king who loves humanity, who would suffer and die on our behalf. This is our story. That a king would suffer and die for us. Now listen, sometimes our story has been hijacked. In in fact, quite often throughout the years, our story has been hijacked. It's been turned into a story about conquering lands. And we stuck crosses on the front of shields and sent out armies to conquer lands for the sake of Jesus. Sometimes it's been turned into um, building fortunes. You know, this is what God wants you. He, he wants you to be rich and happy and have all kinds of stuff. Um, sometimes it's about creating monarchies, the divine right of kings. And perish the thought. Sometimes it's been turned into supporting political opinions in a democracy. Those are not our stories. None of those are our stories. Our story is a story 
of someone who comes and willingly suffers and dies for us. Our story is a story of a king who loves us, who dies upon a cross. A story of a king who forgives. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. A story of hope. This day you will be with me in paradise. This is our story. I thought about how that story of Gluskop with his, you know, turning a guy into a tree um, is sort of the actual opposite of our story. Someone so fearful who became a tree versus someone who was courageous and loved us and was willing to die for us and hung upon a tree. This is our story. A story of a king who came to give us life now and into eternity. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.